truly in the darkest timeline, so why not travel back to a simpler time, when your toughest choice was what to rent a blockbuster for the weekend, Face Off or Con Air. That's where the Talkbuster podcast comes in. Every episode, Chris Chipman is joined by a guest who relive their time working for Blockbuster, the good and the bad. It's a fun nostalgic dive that if nothing else is a great escape. Find the Talkbuster podcast on your favorite podcasting site today. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this the darkest timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is... Lord Commander Auric. How are you doing today? I'm just laughing at your goddamn Walter Cronkite. I have fun with it, and I'm just... I, I, You're I get getting a little... better. That's the thing that makes me laugh, is it's getting better. I, I'm working on it. I'm just tweaking it every time. <laughs> Maybe I'll, i i got to make like a, a, a tabletop roleplay character with that voice one of these days. So... I don't even know... Yo. Hmm. I don't know what I'd do with it, but I'll figure something out. Anyway, point is, my day is okay. I am sick. It's not COVID. I did take a test this morning, but my nose is stuffy and my head's a little hot, so not fun. Oof. How you doing? Sucks. Uh, pretty good. I recently, I recently just at time recording, got a free trial to Apple TV, so we've been playing around with stuff on there. And uh, Slagathor and I have joined the Ted Lasso is great cult. You know, I've heard, I've been hearing that for years. I keep meaning to watch Ted Lasso. I just haven't got around to doing it. That's where I was at. It's like, I've heard it's great. I mean, it's Bill Lawrence. The guy did Scrubs, so I know he can write well. And we're like, hey, we've got this free trial to Apple TV. Everyone's talking about it. Let's watch this. And it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, no, this this is genuinely great. Oh, but if you have that free trial to Apple TV, don't miss out on Severance while you're there. See, that's what I'm watching on my own, and it's a great, you know palate cleanse yeah. as i go from severance to ted lasso i'm like oh, i need some optimism and some not real fun stuff and some fun stuff in my life i'm like oh no this this is perfect i can do this and then all right now back into what the fuck they're doing in severance because i don't know and i love that as well i'm glad you're liking it i i binged all of severance in one night so <laughs> slagathor couldn't get into it at first she's like i want to know what's going on but it's too weird for me, and I 100% understand that. Especially once Christopher Walken shows up. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, what the fuck is happening? Anyway, we're going off topic, but that's kind of on brand for us. But before we get into our actual thing we're here to talk about, I have the privilege of sharing the names of our lovely patrons, the Legion, as we sometimes affectionately call them. They are... Pam Gelly, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Fay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donald Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson Amell, Scott Rubin, Derek Takate, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join our illustrious Legion, you can go over to our Patreon, Patreon slash Geeks with Shields, for a dollar a month, that's 25 cents an episode, or more like, I forgot the right terminology here, but point is, sometimes we release more than four things in a month, and then your dollar goes even further. Also, we're finding out that there's some weirdnesses to how Patreon does that, but we're trying to figure that out for now. But still, it's the best, most common... Pl anyway, you can help us go a long way with that. No, we knew Patreon's been stealing from us since the inception of Patreon, but that's not for the main podcast. Yeah, but the level of it... Anyway, yeah, we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> so, what we are actually here to talk about, and since I'm the MC, I will introduce us in this particular case, is Ulrich 
brought up the longevity of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a topic that I uh, is near and dear to my heart because I am not making this up. On the chair I'm currently sitting on, there is a thin throwover blanket with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the original 1980s, and on my bed right next to me is a different Turtles blanket, but with the mid-2000s Turtles on it. Yeah, and this all kind of ties in because we got that really cool-looking trailer for yet another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And it got me thinking that both Turtles and Power Rangers have this longevity, but Turtles keep getting movies. Power Rangers got the one that didn't work, and they're like, all right, back to TV with you. I would also argue Turtles is intrinsically weirder. (laughs) Um, it's hard to say anything is weirder than Power Rangers. Oh, no, no. But... In details, Power Rangers gets weirder, but in concept, like... Turtles I think, like, weird. in direct pitch, like, if you're pitching one versus the other... That's what I mean. Power like, Rangers it... is a much easier sell, and then the weird stuff happens. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean when I said, like, if you're pitching Power Rangers, it's, oh, hey, a bunch of teenagers get superpowers, they get big mech suits that are based on animals or something, and they come together to make a bigger mech suit, and they fight giant monsters. Okay, simple pitch. Teenage Mutant Turtles, the title alone is like, wait, what? So there's this thing called the ooze. Yeah. And there's this rat, and this rat used to be a martial artist and or a, a film guy and or was just a rat but a pet. of Depends on what version we're talking about. And, and their main villain is the Foot Clan led by Shredder. And wait, where are you going? Please come back. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Is Turtles is just a lot more weird in concept anyway. And if... Me saying that I have literally two blankets and several t-shirts and whatnot didn't convey this. Turtles is a top thing for me. I wouldn't... The only reason I wouldn't call it a foundational fandom for me is that I actually... Turtles is not something I ever followed, weirdly enough. It's just, it's there. I had toys. If the cartoon was on, I watched it, any version of it, and... So I know a lot about it. I've read some of the comics, but it was never something that like I necessarily actively sought out despite being something I love. Does that make any sense? Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about Power Rangers. Like, oh, I love Power Rangers. I followed Power Rangers, but I have never made the dedicated effort to keep up with the latest Power Rangers thing. Yeah, I I've made some effort with Turtles because okay. I'm getting ahead of myself here, because there's a whole thing I want to say about Rise of the Teenage Mutant Turtles, which is an interesting thing, and Mutant Madness. But before we get into that, I'm not going to assume that you're listening to this and you don't at least know what Teenage Mutant Turtles is. That's impossible. You've at least heard of it. The cultural saturation on that is undeniable. Yeah, I I refuse to. It's like Star Wars. You know what it is, even if you haven't engaged with it yourself. I, I could be wrong, but it feels like whenever a series one series ends there's another one coming right behind it frequently yeah there's been like, very I, little time i can't keep track of all this series i am grateful they've started doing radical redesigns between the series oh, so i can better differentiate who's from where technically they've always done that when you think about it because so first off for anyone who doesn't research the history of things like this and you just know it this is more reasonable to say Teenage Turtles started off as a, I believe, Mirage comic. Mirage is the company. And the comic originally was a satire of primarily the grungy 
like dark stuff that was coming out in mostly Marvel comics in the 80s. The Turtles were very specifically a satire of Daredevil. The the inciting incident that actually creates the Turtles, the group of four actual Turtles that hit go into the sewers and the ooze, in the original comic, those Turtles fell into the sewer due to the same accident that caused Daredevil his blindness. It was the same thing. And then... Their enemy is called the Foot because it's a reference to Daredevil's enemy, the Hand. Their mentor is called Splinter as a reference to Daredevil's mentor, Stick. It happens a lot. And anyone... Okay, I'm not going to say anyone, but a vast majority of people, if they try to tell you that they got into Turtles with the Mirage comics, they are lying to you. Like, there is... I'm not going to say that there isn't goodness in the original comic. There's a lot of stuff in it that I do like. But a vast, vast majority of people who engage with this property got engaged with it because of the 80s cartoon that was primarily made to sell toys so they sanded a lot of the edges off of the mirage comic which again i think was actually a good decision because the original mirage comic the four turtles were not really that distinct personality wise they weren't supposed to be it was a dumb joke by two you know guys in their college dorm going holy shit, why are these comics taking themselves so seriously? Exactly. So they created a ridiculous concept to make fun of being over-serious about a ridiculous concept. But the cartoon didn't do that. It just was a cartoon. Mostly, you know, in the style of, like, He-Man or something. So it's made to sell toys. So one of the things they did... Fucking incredible theme song. (laughs) Yes, with one of the best cartoon theme songs ever. So good that even the most recent version is using a version of the song (laughs) it's kind of like the transformers theme like you don't you don't change what's not broken you might twist it a bit but you don't get rid of it you know well it's it's also that peak 90s as it opens with a guitar so you know kind of a guitar slide despite the fact that i think the first turtle series season one was like 1987 i want to say i feel like it i thought it i'm gonna google real quick i'm pretty sure it's an 80s cartoon primarily so but you go ahead and google it anyway point is Turtles got big because of that cartoon, because of a massive push for toy line. Turtles had... I remember this as a kid. Turtles had one of the best variety in toy lines of, like, anything that you as a child, especially a, you know, boy, quote-unquote, going to the, you know, your local toy store. The the Turtles had all these mutant things and different toy versions of each turtle so you can find the toys that you like. They had the cool, like, vehicles and shit. Uh, Like, it was just very very well advertised very well supported so holy fuck i did not realize how many series there were or how much that would complicate my search yeah yeah turns out the first season starts in 87 i was right ran for seven seasons yep i'm just oh man i got the year right i feel so good about that I get. I don't know why I always thought it was later in the timeline than that. Maybe because it ran like, in heavy 90s. syndication, Ulrich. There like, is heavy. that, but it also like '90s feels like when it peaked because that's when we got that first movie. Uh, except that that was '91, so that was at the very beginning of the '90s. Yeah. Plus, again, I remember. I don't know. That's the cultural impact. Like, I remember growing up and turtles still being fucking everywhere, and that show still being. But I, I'm curious, like. Why won't it go away, or why hasn't well, it gone away? Well, hold on. A few things about that. One of the big reasons I think that doesn't go away is because it's because of a brilliant decision that the cartoon writers made that was then refined in the movie, and then like 
basically has just been repeated in every follow-up show, which is that the four turtles are possibly the most perfect adaptation of the comedy of humors in a fiction narrative ever. Period. This old theory? Huh? This theory? Yeah. So, for anyone who hasn't heard this exact idea, there's a great video from Cracked After Hours from years ago that explains it. But back in, like, ancient Greece, there was this idea of the four humors. Back then, it was like a science medicine idea. that Basically, that your health was determined by four liquids in your body. It's bullshit now. But it ended up getting adapted into narrative shorthand, that when you're writing characters, you can write them uh, as a combination of the four humors. So each turtle is a perfect representation of one of the four humors. So they are, in a sense, kind of the perfect hero group, because no matter what your personality was is as a, as a person, one of the turtles is going to... You're going to see yourself in them to some degree. And that's going to it's going to be appealing to you. They are uh, there's choleric, which is basically like, oh, you're super emotional. You're controlled by your anger. You are very sensitive. It's your Raphael character. Melancholic is you're very calm. You're uh, maybe very emotionally insular, but you're very organized. This is your Leonardo. Flemic is you're shy. You're very analytical. You're uh, that's your Donatello. And then Sanguine is carefree, fun, joyous, and that's your Michelangelo. And the original cartoon basically created that, but they didn't have Raphael quite figured out yet. Back then he was more like a just a smart aleck. And then the movie, the first movie, basically was like, what if we take the personality from the original Mirage comics and just make that Raph's personality specifically? Yeah, and I mean, they've more or less stuck to that formula throughout the years to varying degrees of success. Yeah, and they tweak it to different degrees. The The 2000 show, which is, in my opinion, probably the least good, but still a very good show, took itself probably too seriously to the point where it kind of became the thing that the Mirage comics were making fun of in the first place. Okay, which one was that? Was that the one that had the CG follow-up movie? No, no. The kind of comic art style? Um, No. Well, okay. That one, the 2000 series, did have a movie that first introduced the idea of the Turtleverse, where it turns out that all versions of the Turtles, all of them, exist within the same multiverse. And so in that movie, they actually interact with not just the 80s cartoon version themselves, but also their comic versions of themselves, which is really cool because... Didn't know that was one that existed. Yeah, it's an amazing... The whole plot is that Shredder, because that version of the Shredder is basically a combination of Shredder and Krang, the, the Utram, and he... Is like, okay, I, there's a multiverse. I want to destroy it because every universe I look at, there's turtles. So I have to find the prime universe, which doesn't be the comic universe. And Raphael loves the comic universe because it's so like dark and gritty, but all the all those turtles think that he's a sellout and they think all the turtles kind of suck. So they're like, you know, anyway. Wait, great. I've heard rumors. I've heard of this in bits and pieces, but I didn't. Yeah, okay, go on. It's really cool. It's, it's a really good movie, actually. But point is, that series is the one where the turtles look the most the most the same i think other than their colors they're very big they're very muscular they're very like standard after that series there were some spin-off series that i didn't really pay attention to until the 2000 and i want to say 2011 2012 cg series on nickelodeon which was fucking awesome and it brought back uh, rob paulson who voiced Raphael in the original series to voice the new donatello and also did a lot of cool like little changes like it was the first series I remember where the turtles physically all looked like different turtles. 
like See, I remember when this one came out and how much you loved it because you once spent an hour in my kitchen detailing like a thesis level essay on why this was the greatest version of the turtles for you and at the time i certainly thought so and i i still kind of think so to a certain degree especially because of what they do with the shredder and splinter specifically best version of splinter hands down i i still feel that's true i just remember you saying this is like the first time you felt that if you took the color away you could still pick out the turtles yeah this was the first time that was the case you could easily tell which turtle was which without their masks and that was really cool to me among other things that series ran for five or six seasons and then had a, a it had a crazy three-part ending that was in an alternate universe where like leonardo turned to a mutant like insane and became the villain and there was an it was whole insanity but they also crossed over with the prime turtle verse and the original 80s verse thus continuing the idea that the turtle verse is a real absolute thing so anyway then we had rise and teenage mutant turtles which is at first, I did not like it, because it continued that concept, all the turtles look different, except this time it took it to the extreme. They're all literally different breeds That's of turtles. That's the one I saw, I'm like, I don't know if I like this one. It's a weird, I don't like the art design. Yeah, and I didn't either at first. Uh, like, Raphael's a snapping turtle, um, Leonardo's a red red band something, uh, uh, Donatello's a soft shell of some sort, and it is... I don't know how to say this any other way, and I don't mean it demeaning. I used to mean it demeaning. Now I just mean it as a matter of observation. It is Zoomer humor. It is very off the wall, very chaotic, and at first I didn't like it. I also didn't like the fact that the series positions Raphael as the leader, which seemed to me to really fuck with the dynamic, but I found out later that that's kind of the point, is that this is them before they hit their stride. In fact, the series basically ends with Leonardo taking over, then there's a movie, the movie introduces... It's a fucking great movie. Anyway, when I went back and started re-watching that series and started giving it the attention for what it is and not for what I wanted it to be, I started figuring out why people liked it so much, and I started getting really into it. I still like the, the Nickelodeon 2011 series more, but... Also, in that series, fucking Samwise Gamgee voices Raphael. Anyway. That's what I thought. And also, I feel like this is something we don't say enough on the podcast, but really, we all should accept of Just because something's not for you, that doesn't make it bad. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that I think, and maybe that's why we can kind of speak to Turtles Keeps Working, is it's so good at reinventing itself. That's that... literally why I did that whole explanation, is oh. every series... <laughs> is pretty radically different, but respectful of the previous series. The fact that they're all, like, one contained Turtleverse. It, it is making every series for young people to a new generation yeah. of fans. If this one doesn't work for you, wait five minutes. I think I've even said that before. I'm like, if you don't like this, wait five minutes, there'll be another one. Yeah, and, and I feel like that sounds, like, dismissive, but I, I think it's a it's a big bonus. I think it's, it's a big this benefit. franchise's biggest strength. Yeah, reinventing itself. They can itself. also look at it and go, this didn't work, this worked, this didn't work, this worked. Okay, time for the next iteration, and we're going to, you know, take this bits here or there. Yeah, and I honestly have... think that because of that, it actually gets to kind of inoculate itself against things like changes in continuity being a big deal. Because yeah. 
it already establishes a turtle verse and we've are we've already radically shifted itself many times like i remember when i was younger being pissed off that movie version of splinter was not hamato yoshi but was hamato yoshi's pet and now i'm like i don't care that version of splinter is still awesome so <laughs> yeah and i mean it also is interesting because you even see that in the worst adaptation you know the michael bay movies yeah in that that first one not good that second one not good, but in a different way. I will say that the second one at least felt like it was trying trying more. Yeah, but it looked at what worked from the first one and what didn't, and it was like, okay, let's do this again. Yeah. Honestly, it's weird that the things about the second one that make me the most mad are things that I thought would work. Like, I like Stefan Amell from Arrow. I like him in other stuff I've seen him. He was not good as Casey Jones, and that really I bugs think me. Casey Jones is a. I don't know if they've ever fully made Casey Jones work. I think they did in the first movie, but yeah, I think I think a big part of that is such you, a '90s construct. Oh, absolutely, but that's kind of the a good point. I mean, he's supposed to be one of those characters that like you like, even though you recognize that he's a bit of a sleaze. So, <laughs> I think he's their take on the Punisher. Kind of, which I mean, you know, it's, it's fun that he does it with sports equipment because it's just like, no, this this is dumb. Yeah, he he's he's the Punisher if he had a sense of humor, kind of. So. Which I think again, I think that's like the whole take on it is like because the Punisher was also big in the eighties and nineties, and I feel like they looked at that and went, this is dumb. Yeah, and so now we have this new version called uh, Mutant Mayhem. We just have a trailer at the time of recording. The uh, Seth um, Rogan is producing it and voicing in it, and. I watched the trailer, and I initially I was turned off by it. I was turned off by the fact that the actors all sound extremely young, until I basically was that like, "Well, threw me, yeah, yeah." But they're supposed to be young teenagers. So that was the other thing. I came back like, "There's this is wait." It's only weird because this is the first time that children have played actual children. Yeah, exactly. It, well, it was the same realization when I got into like my twenties and I saw like an actual 14 year old and they don't look like what TV tells you 14 year olds should look like, you know? So it's a very loaded statement, but go on. I just mean that they look way younger than I thought they, anyway, (laughs) it creeps me out. Okay. So point is that these, that was one of the first things I was like, Oh, they sound really young. And wait, why is that a problem? No, they're, they are really young. That's okay. And then I didn't really like the art style, despite the fact that they're very obviously pulling from Into the Spider-Verse, and I love Into the Spider-Verse. But then again, I was like, well, why am I bothered by that? They're supposed to be mutants. They're going with a very exaggerated style here. So even if it's not necessarily appealing, it looks like they're trying to evoke some of the specific toy lines. Like, we see a clip of Rocksteady, who, if I'm just saying pronouns, or sorry, nouns at you and you don't understand, listener, I'm sorry, Rocksteady's a fucking rhino mutant and we see him for a second in the trailer and his face is like like a capital l it's hard to explain it more than that it's like very escher or dolly kind of style and that bugged me until i was like wait i'm pretty sure i had a toy that looked exactly like that my only complaint about this is my same complaint i have of every animated movie made in the last two decades it's an abundance of celebrities doing the voices instead of, you know, hiring voice actors. It is? I mean, I saw Jackie Chan voicing Splinter, which is the good idea. I saw... John Cena's doing Bebop. Okay, sure. Seth Rogen's doing Rocksteady. 
And then aren't the four turtles all basically semi-new people? The four people? turtles are kids, but I think like everybody else is... Because they did the thing at the end of the trailer where it's just a wall of names. Yeah, but I didn't recognize most of the names. I did see Giancarlo Esposito in there, which I thought was cool. I like seeing Giancarlo Esposito in things. he's doing Splinter? No, Splinter... The Theoretically Splinter is No, Jack not Splinter. Chan. He's doing Shredder. Sorry. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito as Shredder. That sounds great. They've confirmed most of the cast. There's a couple good ones in there. but And I love John Cena. John Cena is my answer to Channing Tatum, but I don't know. I'm really curious what he does with the character. Yeah, I just I just didn't think that wall of text felt like that because a lot of the names were names I didn't recognize, so it didn't feel like a name recognition thing. It felt like, okay, there's a couple names in here I recognize, but anyway, my, my, my big point about that is that even though I had an initial feeling of, eh, because I didn't like the art style, I didn't like the voices, after thinking about it more and thinking about the history of Turtles, I'm like... I don't think that's actually going to matter. I, I'm going to wait till the product is done, and then I'm going to watch it. And even if I don't like it, that doesn't mean it's going to be bad, because this is what Turtles does. This is why it survives. It always reinvents itself. It keeps itself new while staying true to a core idea. Like we talked before about, you know, you can shift things, but if you shift them too far, they stop being them. Turtles is almost like the perfect example of figuring out where you can shift things while staying true to what you are, you know? Yeah, and the one idea I want them to go back to, and I don't know why they haven't yet, is Turtles 3 is indefensively bad. Yes. But seeing them in feudal era Japan is such a cool concept. Well, oddly enough, Turtles have what I call the X-Men issue, which is that when you get down to Turtles lore, they do crazy shit. They go out into space and deal with dinosaur people. They have a best friend who is a samurai rabbit guy. Like, well, that's why they're certainly cross over like the various spinoffs they made. Because did they cross over with Street Sharks or was Street Sharks direct com- uh, competitive? <laughs> Street Sharks was a ripoff, direct ripoff. They made fun of turtles, and we know all know how that battle ended. But <laughs> I still miss Street Sharks. That was fun. I, I I admit I like Street Sharks. I think Mummies Alive was a better turtles ripoff. Mummies, but... dude, that's what we need. Just scoop up all the rights to these defunct turtle clones and put them together in a Spider Verse movie. Sure, I'd be down for that, but. Anyway, also, as far as Turtles are concerned, when I was younger, Leonardo was my favorite, but once I became a teenager and started realizing who I am as a person, Donatello is my favorite. Just putting it out there. <laughs> I do love you get any group of guys together, inevitably they will tell you who their favorite turtle is. And I think how it's basically, personality. that's basically telling them, or telling you what my personality is. Like, oh, I like Donatello, because I basically see myself as Donatello. <laughs> yeah, no. I, it's just this weird thing. Like, you get guys of a certain age, namely in their 30s, and you go, hey, who's your favorite turtle? They have it on hand. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so I, just, I, I didn't actually have an answer to the question when you first posed it, but having gone through the series, talk about it, I think that what what we've landed on really works for me, that idea of reinvention. Yeah, and I'm not always super interested in having an answer. Sometimes the questions don't have the answers. It's the discussion they create. But it really seems to be... This is such a malleable franchise that never lets itself get stuck in one thing. Yeah. Hell, I mean, you could argue that one of the things that I thought was, like, a absolute core tenet was, like, the tension between Raphael and Leo, even though that wasn't in the original series that became core. And don't get me wrong, it leads to some of my favorite moments in the whole series. The CG movie that you mentioned, which was basically actually a continuation of the original three movies, there's several background hints that tell you that that's the case, has a wonderful scene where they finally 
let it out and fight each other. But Rise of Teenage Turtles doesn't do that at all. Instead, it poses them as actually having like an age bracket where Raph is the eldest brother, Mikey is the youngest, and Donnie and Leo are called the Disaster Twins. And and so their relationship is completely different, but it's all like very positive and very like big brothery. And so at first I was like, "What? where's my, my, my drama there? But then I realized, all right, stop looking for what you expect. Look at what's there. And what's there is a whole different relationship that still really works. Yeah. No, I think, I don't know. I, we, we did this, we did something like this forever ago. We talked about the first, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Which is amazing and, and I, still holds up. I just watched it last week. And, and I kind of talked about the fact that I wasn't sure I was a fan of that movie. But then through the course of the discussion, I'm like, no, actually, I have this in-baked nostalgia and love of the Turtles because it was, the, it was background noise. The toys were cool. The characters are cool. I, I also Maybe love the simple there's a whole basic design element that Turtles feels like it it really leans into its designs in the perfect way. Like I love the Shredder. Like the Shredder is one of my favorite villains. There's just a simple thing about it's just a ninja with blades, but he doesn't feel like cliche. I don't know how to explain him very well. well I, I, they lead with this needs to sell and or make toys. So that's how we're gonna design these characters. What would make the most interesting toys? Yeah. By the way, sidebar, there was an animated movie a few years ago, Ninja Turtles and Batman together. I'm not too into the movie, but there's a sequence where Shredder and Batman fight that's fucking awesome. It's really well animated, and it's very cool. Worth watching on YouTube, just saying. Yeah, I heard about that. I don't know. I'm so tired of Batman crossing over with Well, if it makes you feel any better, Shredder wins the fight. Of course he does. Fucking Batman's an overrated bitch. <laughs> Well, then you should go watch the fight anyway. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd definitely watch that. I don't know. Now I'm thinking about what other fun crossovers need to happen with the Turtles. Well, the problem is the Turtles have crossed over with some things before. Not well. The worst version of the Turtles that have ever existed, in my opinion, was a live-action show called The Next Mutation. Because they didn't have the budget, so it looked terrible. And, like, I'm fine with things looking bad. I like classic Doctor Who, but... I'm sorry, if you're in turtle suits, you need someone like Jim Henson to make them work, you know? Yeah, no, they're terrifying. And that show crossed over with Power Rangers, and it's fucking weird, even by Power Rangers and Turtle standards. And it gave us the forgotten turtle, what's her name? Venus. Because it's the Venus de Milo, and oh god. And I want to be very clear, too. I had no problem with the idea of introducing a girl turtle. The problem is that that was the extent of her personality. She's the girl turtle. The turtles are so good as narrative constructs because each of them is a very defined personality. That's why the four humorous things works. To bring in a girl turtle and have her whole personality be girl turtle feels insulting. Yeah, no. Like, like a few years ago, there was a comic that I didn't read, but I read about that introduced another female turtle, but one who actually like had personality. And I, I wanted to read it, I just never got around to it, so, but I don't know how well she did. Oh, also, one more thing. We're not going to really engage with the, the trolls I'm about to talk about, but just to be clear, April O'Neil has looked very different from the beginning. You can find instances of her in the comic where she looked one way or another way or another way, so April O'Neil can look like whatever. Oh, yeah, no, I saw that one, I'm like, oh... Fuck this! This is gonna be a thing. Oh, well, I'm not gonna. No, I'm fucking give a shit. There's so much more shit to care about right now. Exactly. So I just want to be very clear that like Rise of the Teenage Mutant Turtles, that version of April, who's a, she's awesome. 
there. Google her. She kicks ass. So, and I'm pro all April O'Neils. I don't. I think we've laid our thoughts and made our points. Yeah, I mean, I could I could go on about stuff specifically in the turtles that I love, but it would just be belaboring the point. And if you're interested in it, I'd be down to talk about more turtle stuff. Maybe once we see this mutant mayhem movie, we'll do it then. But I think for now, we answered the question we set out to at least discuss. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe. The more people see this, the more we grow, the more we grow, the more we can do. If you are enjoying this, you can find us on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And if we're not on your favorite podcasting platform, let us know so that we can see about getting on that favorite podcasting platform. Because, like the Turtles, we seek to be perpetual in our popularity. And as always, this has been Axel Wright. And your shield brother, Lord Commander Orc. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.